Welcome to the Celtics Pride Podcast on Celtics Blog. I'm Adam Motenko. With me, as always, my twin brother, Josh Motenko. That's right. What's up, everybody? We are sans Mike Minkoff today, so it's a special twin edition. Josh, we are reacting to game one against the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, You're going to have to hold me back because typically after the first game of a playoff series, I completely overreact and need to be reeled in. Okay, so so what's your reaction to this one? What's your overreaction now? Oof, that was tough to watch. Oh my god, that was really hard. I was expecting a loss, and and uh, the Celtics did not play as well as I uh, w- was assuming they would. They, I thought they came out flat. Um, and I was not happy with with what I saw. So you're in that extreme right now. We won. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> So, uh, Jason Tatum played great, 32 points, 13 boards, 10 of 11 from the line, led the team with a plus 19 on the floor. Jalen Brown, 29 points, 6 boards, 4 assists, 3 steals, 9 of 16 from the floor, 5 of 8 from 3. Kemba played 35 minutes, he looked solid, 19 points. Marcus Smart, 0 for 8 from the field. Uh, the Celtics only shot 32% from three, 42 from the field, lower than their season averages. They just seemed out of rhythm in the first quarter. They seemed hesitant. They weren't super aggressive. I mean, JB and JT played awesome. Um, and I, I don't know. I just felt like as a team effort against this Philadelphia team that um, did not look good to me, uh, I mean, there were definitely some positives. Joel Embiid dominate, dominated in the first quarter, scoring 11 points against our front line that just simply can't guard him. Uh, I, he then he disappeared. He scored fourteen point. I'm sorry, fifteen points in the in the remaining three quarters, and uh, I'm not sure why they they stopped going to him as much. Tice simply could not guard him. He, I mean, I, I was watching that that matchup really closely, um, especially with Embiid guarding Tice. Uh, Tice missed his first open three early in the first quarter. Missed his second one and. They just and B just stopped guarding him on the perimeter. He finally made his third, but but Tice was one from five, from three, and I just don't know how. I, like I had I wrote down the question: Is Tice even playable in these games against Embiid? I mean, yeah, I, I mean, you can tell by my tone of voice. I'm not so happy with this game. No, but Tice played fine. You know, like yeah, I, fine. The, with the amount of help that he was getting, like this is going to work against Embiid. It's not a big deal. I think I don't think Tice is the biggest of your concerns right now. Um, but I mean, I, just some snapshots that I saw. Like in the first quarter, it seemed like some of the guys were out there scared a little bit. Like right when the game started, I actually thought that Gordon Hayward was one of the more calm players on the court and was getting a bunch of deflections and and doing little things like just being aware. Um, and everyone else was a little bit slower to the loose balls. And, you know, then we kind of righted the ship a little bit, right? Um, and obviously Embiid had a great first quarter, and then he gassed out. I mean, he's... Is that it? He got tired? Yeah, man. Like, he's not wow. he's not going through people all game long like he could. Because he, he's... I think he's out of shape. I think he's a little lazy. I think he's a little soft. I, I just... Like if you're Barkley and Shaq right now, you're silent because it's like I, we we told them, you know, and like Shaq was like, you got to get eight to ten points a quarter, you know, like that's what you got to do, and he, he did that in the first quarter, and then he disappeared, 
And then he had his moments, obviously, and, and he, he did dominate when he wanted to push himself. And then there are certain times he couldn't push himself. Defensively, he really did not do well when his man was setting that ball screen on the wings, uh, especially with Tatum. You know, he's not able to come up all the way. He's not even down in a stance. You know, he's resting at that point. Yeah, he was shooting free throws. It may have been the fourth quarter. He looked exhausted. <laughs> and uh, I'm just, you know, I, I just don't understand how a professional athlete can be out of shape uh, to the extent that a beat is. That, does, is he, do you think he is limited in the amount that he can do in practice because of load management? I think, like, I mean, you're not really having hard, hard practices, full contact practices now anyway. So, I shouldn't have said practices. I, I mean, like, just conditioning. I, he's a guy who's never obviously taken it that seriously. Um, the Liberty Ballers, they had something. I can't remember if it was in their podcast or on their blog about him eating a lot of candy. You know how I feel about the, <laughs> the, the candy theory with uh, 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 Derek Rose. You know, like these guys who are often injured and they're eating just – tons and tons of processed sugar i think there's got to be a connection there <laughs> well dwight howard is notorious early in his career for eating too much candy and having terrible gas as a result of it i don't remember him getting injured though yeah i think it connects to the injuries i don't know i i, I mean if you're doing that it's like drinking soda every day like you're not really taking care of your body being a professional athlete if you're doing that like you, you can't be drinking soda all day long and then think you're going to play 12 years you know at a high level in the nba so um, you mentioned the the way Embiid was guarding pick and rolls. I mean, he he was dropping back. There was the uh, the first play that I noticed Matisse Thybul when he came in the game. He was guarding Tatum. Embiid uh, Tice set a screen. Embiid dropped back. Tatum was wide open on the screen. Embiid didn't contest at all. But Tice, Tice I'm sorry, Thybul came from behind, blocked a shot, impressively. Um, what did you see from the uh, the rest of the non Embiid? folks on the uh, Sixers team on defense and how they guarded the Celtics. Yeah, I mean, in the third quarter, the Celtics kind of were playing too loose, it felt like. Like, that was kind of the another snapshot that I saw. Like, in the, in the first quarter, they were a little shocked. They got used to it. They went on a roll. Now they're all of a sudden playing too loose in the third quarter, like smarts, trying to throw behind the back bounce passes, like being all tricky and just – you know, a couple of missed layups, not taking possession seriously. Um, all of that, obviously, the, that's when the Sixers took the lead. Um, but that coincided with Tybal and uh, and Richardson being out there together for defensive reasons. I don't think Shake Milton can guard. I think we need to go at him. I feel like he's this year's J.J. Redick for the Sixers where, you know, we can find plays to just go at him. He's not... I mean, he was picking up that foul that he picked up on Kemba where he was backing up trying to get out of the way and Kemba still drove into him and uh, jumped into him. It was like an old IT play where he jumps into the guy and there's nothing he can do about it. He's trying to leave the area anyway. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think the, the Sixers are in trouble. I'm not that worried. Um, I don't think you should be either. Was this just a bad shooting night for the Celtics? Yeah, I didn't even think it was that bad. I think we had some cold moments and there were some stretches when it was awful. And But for the course of the game, I mean, Hayward hit a couple threes. Kemba, he only took four of them, which kind of showed if he feels like he's not hitting, he's going to do other yeah. things. 
And that's that kind of leadership stuff we talked about on the pod before where he's becoming that, you know, the, the team leader, floor general point guard instead of the scorer. Um, and obviously yeah, but- at the end of the game, he was, he was jumping all of it all over every loose ball, every rebound. Yeah. <laughs> he was apparently smiling after the game. Happy to have his first postseason win uh, in his first postseason game. He was 0 for 4, as you mentioned, from 3. But played 35 minutes. Um, supposedly reported that he feels good at, uh, after the game. Um, so I, I think those are good signs. And it's possible that his poor shooting from the outside in this game is just the next thing to come around in his conditioning as he recovers, it seems like he is, from this knee injury. Um, if you remove Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, this team did not shoot well, though, from the floor or from three. It was it was ugly, except for those two. And both of them, they, I mean, they had played great. They played great. It was like Tatum, Tatum on offense, Jalen on defense in the first half, and then the uh, reverse in the second half. All right, let me ask you this. Were you more scared when Jalen Brown took the knee to the quad and went down limping or when Gordon Hayward came up lame? Yeah, so let's talk about this. Gordon Hayward, uh, it sounds like at this point, has a sprained ankle. He turned it over. On the play, it didn't look as bad on the replay. Some of those, you see it, and it's like the guy's fine. He can actually play the rest of the game when you turn an ankle like that. Some of them, it turns out to be a high ankle sprain and you're out for six weeks. Um, he was, he left the, uh, on crutches and is uh, going to have an MRI. Brad Stevens reported that, um, he doesn't know the severity, but it's, he's Gordon is clearly in pain and it looked like he has some swelling already. Not sounding great for Gordon Hayward with this ankle. I expect him to miss, uh, a game at minimum. Again, it's the kind of thing where he could be out a couple of days, could be a couple of weeks. Do you think he is asking his wife's OB if they can schedule a C-section now so that he can recover at the same oh, time? Oh, come on. <laughs> uh, I think he's going to miss some time. And uh, and that is not a good sign for the Celtics because then you slot smart into the starting lineup, um, which is fine. But the, the, the rotation on the bench, it leaves a lot to be desired. I mean, there's really nobody that I trust a lot on the bench if Smart is starting. You asked. Wait, 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 Adam. Know. Wait, Adam. Is do you do do you know that like what the exact due date is for Gordon Hayward's kid? Are you one of those guys? It's sometime in September. I don't know. Gordon should go be with the baby. It's fine. It's <laughs> like he could leave now. And be gone. I mean, the Celtics were probably preparing for playing without him anyway because they knew ahead of time yeah. he was going to be leaving, right? So that's got to be in the game plan and in the coaches' meetings and the players all talk. You know, so it's like, okay, let's now we got to do it a little earlier than before. I was way more afraid when Jalen Brown went down than when Hayward went down. When Hayward went down, I was just like, like I said to my wife, I was like, this guy again. God, like just the, yeah. the luck or God, it's. I mean, he wasn't playing great before he went down either. I I, I tweeted out at uh, at Emily from the um, Gastroenteritis Blues, who we podcasted with on uh, that came out on Saturday, the preview episode for this series. She was saying, "I'm not worried about Gordon Hayward at all as a Sixers fan." And I remembered when she said that, my thought was like, "You are undervaluing, you're underestimating him," and and I can't wait for him to come out and show you. And he he wasn't. <laughs> I tweeted at her like he's showing. Nothing so far. He's not a difference maker in this game so far. Immediately after he hit a couple shots, but I, 
he wasn't bringing a whole lot. I mean, I, I get that you feel like he was the, the calmest of the group in the in the first quarter, and I, I love him as a fourth option. Um, but he was being guarded by Horford a lot, and he was not beating him. Um, and he was I, I just he wasn't. I don't know. I, I was not feeling like he was putting fear into the Philadelphia team with his play. Yeah. Jalen Brown took a knee. Was it a knee to the thigh? He's got a yeah, contusion, a bruised, a bruised thigh. Um, apparently, he left limping as well, but I expect him to be fine. He, he finished the game and finished it well. Um, so I was, I'm more worried about Gordon Hayward's injury, for sure. Yeah. I think he's going to be out longer and and with his history it's it's pretty frustrating and it's not the same ankle he broke so that's important no that's you know the one thing to to emphasize and highlight so can we talk about how the celtics guarded Embiid? yeah uh specifically the rotation they they brought Cantor in after tice went out in the first half and i think Cantor played like two minutes <laughs> and and uh uh was a negative four negative six i think for those two minutes uh, and then pretty quickly after that, they brought Robert Williams in, who played well, I thought. Uh, Gordon Hayward, I'm sorry, uh, Joel Embiid scored one point against Williams for the time that he was out there in the first, between the first quarter and second quarter. What did you see from the different ways the Celtics bigs guarded Embiid? Well, it looked like it looked like they put Robert Williams in the game every time Embiid would leave and he would go up against Horford. And I was wondering if, they felt like that was a way to neutralize Horford to put, you know, a younger athlete on him to make him feel old or something. Um, but I love the way that they were just talking and rotating early and often, you know, the, it was a team effort. Um, there was a lot of digging and then, you know, digging again and then going in to double. It was like, he didn't mm-hmm. know when it was coming. Um, mm-hmm. But really we were leaving shooters all night. I mean, he could have passed the ball back out. Uh, sometimes it wasn't a good shooter he was passing out to, and sometimes he didn't, you know, didn't choose to do that and didn't, didn't want to do that. So um, I, I don't think it was really any rocket science. I was surprised how many times our wings were playing behind Embiid. Uh, I thought we would be fronting more and fighting around more. Um, but, you know, just the talking, and at every level you have players who – don't think that talking really translates into winning or playing better. Um, And it absolutely does, you know, and this is a a great example. I'm glad they mic'd up Tatum, at least on the ESPN broadcast. And, you know, you could hear how much he was talking and, and Kemba is always talking. It's like, this is a team that really buys in to that little thing that uh, most teams, you know, that's the hardest thing to do is to really get superior athletes to talk as much as you need to, to have a championship defense. And, um, and then there were times in bead, you know, he kind of shut himself down. He beat himself because he didn't push through and really fight for things either, whether it was position against Tice, um, or, or just with the ball, the types of moves he was making, you know, he didn't want to get hit over and over again. Uh, Al Horford did not play great. I mean, he, he looked good, uh, in some cases, but negative 18 on the day, only took seven shots from the floor. He did have six assists. Uh, I came away from our podcast, our preview podcast, with the Liberty Ballers podcasters thinking that Horford was the X factor here. And if he's not going to shoot more and and bully people when he's got small guys on him on defense, I, I don't see how 
he can be a difference maker in the series. Yeah. I mean, I've got a, here's my take on that. My take on Horford and my take on really both of these teams in general right now is they've kind of taken game one to identify themselves and their personalities. Like I feel like they've revealed, both teams have revealed themselves. The Celtics are young. They're a little unfocused sometimes leads to lapses, uh, whether it's shooting lapses or mental lapses. And, and there's going to be that up and down with the potential that we can hopefully play too. And the Sixers have kind of taken on Al Horford's personality a little bit. I feel like they're pretty hardworking. They're just solid. You know, you look at each guy down the line from Milton to Richardson, um, Tobias Harris, like he, he is not worth his contract, but he's solid, you know, and he works hard and he'll fight back. You know, he was one of the people who helped to instigate that third quarter comeback, um, especially when Embiid seemed really frustrated. Um, Alec Burks played well. Yeah, you know. So, and there's kind of this personality, like a lunch pail personality, that Philly personality, the personality of the city. Um, And you could say that most of the time to Boston as well, like hard work in cities. But the Celtics right now have this kind of, they got to make sure that they don't lose focus because they have too much talent. Or, or so much talent. Like they kind of think it's just going to happen. Um, and you can see those lapses throughout the games and it must be driving the coaches nuts right now. Um, yeah, I think that's where my frustration is coming from. They did not come out with a sense of urgency. They did not come out with a killer instinct. Uh, they, they showed glimpses of it, but you've got to come out and you've got to punch them in the mouth. And especially a, a team that has, doesn't have Ben Simmons, like there's, there's no excuse here. And, you know, if you, if I get in the first quarter with the way that Embiid played, uh, that should have woke them up. If anything, the fact that Embiid didn't really do a whole lot after the, that first quarter, th- this should have been a rout in my mind. Like I expected Embiid to come out and score 40. That's the only way that they're going to win. And the fact that he didn't, and we still almost lost this game. Uh, that's not good enough. It's not going to win the series, I don't think. Yeah, and I think you could talk to Tatum about the same things you'd be talking to Embiid about. Everyone's talking about Embiid is the best player in this series. I don't think so. I think Tatum is. And I actually think Tatum's got to step up and play to, to the level that is saying that. I'm the best in this series. I'm better than Embiid. And I think with the way Embiid's playing, he, he almost did that in game one. And, you know, aside from whining about some calls and and then therefore taking a minute to get back to on D and things like that. Like those young player focus type. Uh, yeah. Like you said, killer instincts, you know, you need to have that. And, and I think actually that it's good for us to be experiencing a little bit of this right now. It's the right timing for it. Um, we're now we're facing some adversity, right? We see our own youth in the mirror in our adversity. We see Gordon Hayward going down earlier than we expected adversity. So it's good to have a little bit of that and still win the game. You know what I mean? Um, because yeah. we have time to fix that now. You know, plenty. Do you of learn it. the lesson if you still win the game? Uh, yes, because you're going to watch the film and the coaches. Yeah. The coaches were going nuts during that third quarter run that Philly had. You you just know it. You know, like you know how Stevens is on the sidelines just fuming, trying to look all calm. So you, you said that this was a game where they were learning about their uh, personalities, in a sense, at least in this series. Uh, 
there's adjustments made in the playoffs between every single game. What adjustments do you expect to see on the Celtics side and then on the Philly side? Well, I would hope, number one, that they start to go at certain guys. They see, I hope they saw Shake can't guard. Um, can't guard Kemba, can't guard, can't guard anyone. And that's number one. Number two, I would think that Brett Brown is going to potentially have some kind of uh, wild idea uh, that he may try out in game two. Um, not sure what that would be. I wouldn't be surprised if they start shooting more from three. Like, um, I think that Horford needs to shoot more and take you know more advantage of the fact that he can shoot it. Um, and I think that Embiid, at times, he's been a good three-point shooter. And I wouldn't be surprised if they do something crazy like that. Um, as far as the Celtics go, I feel like they're... Hold on. Before yeah. before you get to that, how, how long before you think they insert Matisse Thybul into the starting lineup? I was really impressed with his defense on Tatum. I thought he bothered Tatum. I thought Tatum struggled a lot more with Thybul on him. And he was really the only guy that gave Tatum trouble. Yeah. Uh, and and unless Horford really turns this around, I mean, we we told that, that uh, gastroenteritis crew that Horford really brings it in the playoffs. And they were like, oh, really? Okay. Because they have not seen it. The, the city of Philly is down on Al Horford, and they're likely that will continue after this game. Um, but they, the Celtics were able to put Kemba on Matisse Teibel when, when he was in the game. So it's, they clearly see him as not a good enough three-point shooter uh, and somebody that they can hide Kemba on. But um, I would not be surprised if that happened next game, if not uh, later. Uh, yeah, if it were me, I wouldn't be starting Shake Milton. I would start Josh Richardson and Thibel. And I understand that, you know, Oh, Richardson... and uh, Horford. I was imagining we replace, they would replace Horford. I mean, I, you could see that later on down the line. I don't think okay. that, he's, that they're going to abandon that game, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. I could see a difference in the backcourt maybe game, too. Um, but I think that gives the Sixers the better look defensively against our wings and guards. And I thought Horford did fine defensively. Like there were a couple of really nice plays that he had on on Hayward um, and other wings on the perimeter. You know he's fine in that, so I don't, I think you can keep him in that starting lineup. Other than that move, there's not much Philly can do except maybe playing Kirk uh, more and just having him jack up shots when he's in. They they don't really have the roster to be able to shift the other things around. And Alec Burks played well. You're, I don't think you're going to get this game from Alec Burks every time. Well, apparently he's shooting 57% from the floor and from three in the bubble before this game. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Dude's on fire. Um, but as far as the Celtics go, I think that it's interesting, you know, what's going to happen with Robert Williams because obviously he played more than the other rookies and, and young players. And I felt like, you know, he was great for us in certain moments. And then obviously he... He's just so wild and unpredictable. There was one play Smart was like he was supposed to come set the screen and he didn't. Uh, he didn't know the play and it, it just messes up the consistency and the flow. And when we have a team that's already young and susceptible to mental lapses or focus consistency issues, Robert Williams kind of exacerbates that. And I can't tell if I like it or not. <laughs> I mean, it's it's whether the the positives that he brings outweighs the negatives. Uh, he didn't have. I mean, he rebounded relatively well, but other than that, and, and I thought he defended relatively well. Um, 
it seemed like he was uh, that it's harder to push him around than Tice, uh, which which is just necessary when when you're playing against Embiid. Um, he, I'm just I'm looking at the the box score here, and other than Marcus Smart, I'm expecting Hayward to be out. Marcus slides up into the starting lineup, and then it's just not looking good for the the rest of the rotation. Wanamaker played 10 minutes, Williams 13, Cantor 8. Grant Williams played 2, and that was just, I mean, he played fine. He hustled. That was nice to see, but he's just not going to bring a whole lot else to the the table. Um, Do you think that they inserted uh, Romeo Lankford, who apparently uh, his right hand and the tendon, the wrist sprain um, that he has, uh, is just going to be an issue of whether he can manage his, the, the pain. Uh, for some reason, he, he just cannot keep his right hand healthy. Um, I, I expect that that would affect his shooting. Do you think they inserted him into the lineup for the, the I think it was one defensive possession at the very end of the game, just to kind of help him get the jitters out of his first NBA game because they're going to give him a lot more minutes with Hayward out? Oh, God. I, I mean, I hope so. I think I think it would be wise to do that. If you're gonna put play him later, yeah, give him. I don't even know how many seconds did he play. I don't even know he got in. <laughs> um, he's in the box score under zero minutes, even though yeah. he did get in. But it was just it was at the very end of the game um, for one defensive possession. Yeah, I mean, and then how much does that really do for a player? I feel like some players are like that helps me get the rust off, or that was my first big moment. They're going home like I got in the playoff game, and then some players are like that that one second. That's not gonna do anything for me. So I don't know he's what kind a, of player he's a rookie. Is. It's his first playoff game. It's kind of I, I I imagine it's like oh okay this is happening. The next time he goes in, it's a little bit easier. Yeah, obviously he needs to run up down the floor a few times and make a few plays before he um, his energy his like excitement wears off. Um, do you so okay? I mean, obviously we love him on this podcast, uh, but uh, the question I have is if he can't hit threes. Is his value all that high? I mean, obviously yes. he's defending well. No, absolutely, yeah, because he's he's long. You know, he, they list him at six four. I feel like he's more six six, especially with his length. And yeah, I don't seem that way. Yeah, and I he's don't strong like that. Right. You know, he he holds his ground well. He holds his driving lines when he drives extremely well for a rookie. So just the way he's going to attack, he rebounds well, and he's there defensively every time you need him. So you have to play him because he's bringing more of that at a size that's not Carson Edwards and not, uh, you know, the other guys that we have, you know, and he, the way he finishes around the rim, is just going to bring a different kind of dimension to the bench. Um, well, you know, what's going to happen, right? Yeah. They're going to play Shemi Ojale. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. To our chagrin. Uh, but, but he's going to be able to match up a little better against the bigs on the other side on defense and, He's not going to make mistakes for Brad. Yeah, maybe he'll hit a couple threes, and we'll see how many times he dribbles the ball off his foot. So, any other adjustments you expect from Brad going forward? Um, no, I think the main key to this whole series is let Embiid go for forty. Not let him, you know, but like we want them to feed Embiid. We want them to take advantage of that mismatch. I'm happy with Embiid going for forty. I don't think that he's going to have enough gas to even get there. And if he does, great. great. Like it's yeah. this is like a, even that is a good outcome. I think we still win, right? As long as we're hitting threes, right? So actually, it's to me, it's not about the threes. To me, it's about foul trouble. 
today it looked in the beginning of the game like we were starting to get in foul trouble. Like everybody picked up one right away. And then we managed it. So that's one thing that I'm worried about. Um, but Speaking of foul trouble, I mean, I, I expected our, part of our strategy should be attack Joel Embiid and get him in foul trouble. He had one foul through the first like two and a half quarters. Yeah. He, he ended up with five at the end, and Marcus Smart really went at him for a couple of plays in a row. But I, I disagree. I don't think you want to actually go at a guy like that. If you're near him, obviously do that. And you saw some smarter players on the team do it, like Smart, like Kemba. But you don't want to scrap your game plan in order to just do that. You know, like I actually think it's better to, to play your game, have more flow with that. Um, and then, you know, defensively, if you're talking, you're rotating early like we are, you're controlling what you can control. You cannot control the fact that you don't have the size. But, you know, I think we did a great job of that today. Um, it's It reminded me, you know, obviously not the same scale, but like the whole concept of the rope-a-dope, you know, when Ali went older into the ring with a younger foreman who's this, you know, Mike Tyson type puncher, all this power and just let him kind of beat him up and Foreman eventually got tired and mentally he wore down. And that's what, that's what Embiid looked like to me today. I was thinking the last couple of weeks, like what historic player does Embiid remind me of? Like if you put Patrick Ewing on this Sixers team, would they be better? He, he reminds of a, an out of shape Patrick Ewing. A little bit. But and then I was like, no, because I feel like Embiid. I feel like Ewing would make would actually be better than Embiid. Like Ewing would make this team go further in the playoffs. And so I was like, was he like a Brad Doherty, like a guy who was like came out like everybody's excited about him, number one pick, dominant, and then just didn't have quite the career that he should have. Was good, was great, you know, but not a super duper star. But, you know, like you would have traded a number one pick for him any year that he was playing because he's got that kind of guy. I don't know. I, I, feel like, yeah. I feel like we could rope it over this guy pretty easily. Jared Weiss says, Embiid was asked after the game, do you think you need to get more post-ups? And he said, I'm not sure. I've got to be more aggressive. Maybe we need to call some more plays, but I don't know. That's another thing we've got to fix going into game two. I keep waiting for him to, to say like, yeah. It's the coach's fault because he's not calling enough plays for me. Um, one of the one of the the plays that I mentioned in terms of getting Embiid in foul trouble, Marcus Smart drove it into him, got fouled by Embiid, pushed him. Then he pushed him again. Embiid went out. I mean, uh, Mark Smart went up to Embiid and was like, "Hey, why do you have to push me twice?" They jawed at each other a little bit. Will we see a Marcus Smart Joel Embiid tussle in this series? No, that was just Smart trying to get under Embiid's skin. Embiid loves doing that to other people. So does Smart. And so that was, that I, I, as I watched that happen, I was like, Smart does not care about that second push, but he knows that this is an opportunity to get into his head. A couple bits of news before we end here. Brad Stevens has a contract extension. Thank goodness. No details on that. We are going to talk about that more at another pod. We're going to do a deep dive into the coaching carousel uh, coaches getting fired, coaches potentially getting fired, what spots are most appealing for the coaches that are out there, who are the best coaches out there. And then, of course, the other bit of news, because Memphis lost to Portland, they are in the lottery at number 14. The lottery order is now set. 
uh, Memphis, that pick, um, if it is, so they have a 2.4% chance of jumping up to the top four picks. If they do, they keep the pick next year, and that rolls over to um, an unprotected pick that we that the Celtics receive from Memphis next year, which is going to be a far deeper draft, uh, probably also better at the top. If Memphis does not yeah. jump up to the top four, then th- they will give the Celtics the 14th pick in this upcoming draft. Uh, the draft lottery is this Thursday. All of it's this like, goes down on Thursday. That's yeah, it's, it all happens so fast in the bubble. So we will know on Thursday where the Celtics will be picking. They've got three picks coming up in this next draft. That Memphis one, they've got Milwaukee's, which is going to be 30th and their own, which I believe is 27th. Um, and which is pro- likely more more picks than they need given the roster spots that may be available. And as you had teams, you know, resting players at the end of the bubble play and not caring about wins the last two or even three games, the Celtics were intently watching this whole Memphis draft pick situation um, as as quietly as possible without any news media outlets really picking it up as a big story. But obviously, you know, this is a huge deal. 